0: winter day I'm ready for like the warm already like last year was like freezing cold and then dumped snow on us and I feel like last year I was like bring it on this year it's been like one week of cold and I'm like no it's I'm done warm up um so anyway uh yeah this morning is youth takeover Sunday if you haven't figured that out by now I just wanted to spoil it for you um this last week on Wednesday we had Steve take over Wednesday um uh, so was fun to have him be a part of our youth group um but it's Awesome to be here with you this morning. If you're in youth group, why don't you just stand up? If you're in youth group, or you're a youth leader, stand on up. Stand on up. Okay. Woo! This is, you guys are everywhere today. All right. You can go ahead and take a seat. And there's actually a bunch more that come on Wednesday that uh, don't always come on Sunday. And we have, if you're like, wait, these teenagers in the front didn't stand up. These are our friends from uh, from Riverside, and and uh, they're here too join us, us this morning. So um, a, couple, a couple of our friends from there. But yeah, it's just amazing what God has been doing in our students' lives. And we've seen uh, the youth group grow and grow. And, we've, and more importantly than that, we've seen students grow deeper in their faith. Um, and so where we're at now is I, I feel like we're at a place where we're, we're doing really well. We average 60 to 65 on a Wednesday. Um, we've, we have a, a lot of kids that are going hard after God. But my heart is, my heart is the next step for our youth group. Is for us to become a youth group that isn't um, just full of, of Christian kids, right? I want us to be drawing in students that are yet to be Christians, and I want us to be having an impact um, in our in the schools. I want us to have a positive presence there. I want this to be known as a place where people can come. And find Jesus I think we have the follow part of our mission down pretty well right we exist to make for students to make easy for students to find and follow Jesus I think we got the follow part down really well our next step is the find I'd love to see our a healthy balance of students that are really young in their faith or yet to become Christians and students that are deep helping them uh helping the younger ones grow and so that's that's the next step but I want to say a big thank you to all of you that gave in the food drive today. My office is like, you're like, oh, there's not much out on the table. That's because it's all in my office. I don't have an office anymore. My office is now a warehouse for food. Um, and so uh, we're going to uh, have to be getting a forklift in here to get all that out. But no, anyway, thank you so much for those of you that donated um, food to that because of that. Is gonna, it's just going to be an awesome time this week where I get to go to the school and say, hey, you had a need. Here's us, like, here's more above and beyond what you asked for. And that opens the doors for us to make it simple for students to find Jesus, right? And so thank you for every one of you that gave to that. Um, it is. Uh, it was a huge blessing to me, and it's going to be a huge blessing to our school. So just want to thank you for that. All right, let's pray, and then we'll get rolling this morning. Um, Dear Lord, we just thank you, God. Uh, for what you are already doing in our services. God, we pray that you would move powerfully through this through this time, Lord, where we explore your word. God, speak to us um, and help us to have ears to hear what you have to say to us. In your name, amen, amen. All right, well, it's the title of uh, the sermon today uh, is what... Sorry, I just forgot. How do I say it? All right, there it is. What to do when you want to give up. What to do when you want to give up. And when we were thinking about what to preach about what we want topic i wanted to cover this this idea came to my mind and there's a specific story in the bible that covers this really really well but i know that sometimes in life we go through seasons where we want to give up and you might be in like a mountaintop right now where you're like life is good that's awesome And that's great, but there might come a time, right, where things aren't going so great. Or you might be here, and you might be in the middle of a season where life has just hit you, and you have no idea what to do, and you feel like giving up, or your faith feels dry. What I want to talk to you about today— and. And I'm not the only one speaking. We're actually going to have two students that are going to be speaking as well. Uh, I'm, I'm starting us off and giving us point number one. And then I'm going to have a different student do point number two, and then point number three. And then I'm closing us off. So that's the, that's the docket for today. But what we wanted to talk about is what do we do when we're in a season where we want to give up? Because you, be, you might be there right now. And if not, you might be there in the future. And I hope that this uh, will be helpful to you. Um, I want to start off with a story today of a of a guy named Horatio Spafford. Okay, you may have, some of you might know who this who this person is. Um, and when I tell the story, you probably be like, "Oh, I've heard that story before. I just didn't know the name." Uh, Horatio Spafford—that's a great name. Uh, I think that's going to be the name of Saffronize's next child, Horatio Spafford Kinzer, eh. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and no, that's not an announcement of any kind. It's just just saying it. So, um, Horatio Spafford was a lawyer. Uh, he was a lawyer um, in the 1800s, um, and he married a lady named Anna. And um, he lived in Chicago. Uh, and he had some, you know, he he was a he was a semi-successful lawyer. Uh, he did pretty well there. Um, but in 1871, he him and his family were going to go on a vacation to England. Um, and it's not like today where we have airplanes that fly fly us over there in eight or nine hours. No, they had to take a boat to go across the ocean. Um, and so he was, they were getting excited. They were gearing up for this, him and his wife, Anna. And then they had, um, they had a few daughters. Um, and they had previously had a four-year-old son uh, that had passed away from scarlet fever a couple years before. So, they, now, but, so now all they had was daughters. And so they're going to go on this vacation. Well, right before the vacation was going to happen, Horatio Spafford had work stuff come up. Okay, so he couldn't leave with them at the same time. He said, "All right, you guys just go. I'm gonna and I'll be on the next boat over. But I got to clear up some stuff with work, and then I'll be over there." So his wife and his daughters took off on this uh, vessel to go across the ocean. And in the middle of their journey, while their ship was crossing the ocean, it was hit by another vessel, and 226 people. Uh, between the two vessels died, including all of Horatio Spafford's daughters. His wife made it out alive, and when she got to England, she sent him a telegram, and it, said, it just simply said this. It said, saved alone. And so Horatio found out that day that all of his children had died in this accident. And so Horatio um, dropped what he was doing with work, and he took the next he took the next boat across the Atlantic, and I can only imagine, or I can't even imagine, what was going through his mind at that point, right? If there's ever been a point in time where somebody wanted to give up, I'm sure he was dealing with that. To have his entire family, to have his son pass away two years before this, and then have all of his daughters pass away in, in a tragic shipwreck, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine as a husband what he was going to, what was going through his mind as he was as he was crossing that, knowing that he was going to have to go comfort his wife in the midst of this tragedy. But the reason that this story, you may have heard it before, and maybe you don't know the story, um, uh, maybe you didn't know this, but this is the story that led up to the writing of the song, It Is Well. And most of us have heard this song before. I'll, I'll, I'll read you the first verse in the course, It says this, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot Thou was taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul right we've all sang that song in church but this is the story that is behind that song and I think of I think of that story and I go man that's a powerful powerful story when I sing that song that story like resonates in my head the man that wrote this was on a boat crossing the Atlantic to go meet His wife, because his daughters had passed away, and yet, out in the midst of that tragedy, he was able to write a song that says, God, it is well with my soul. He trusted in God. It's a powerful, powerful story. And I'm sure he met like, or he felt like giving up in the middle of it. But when he got there, um, he met with his wife, and uh, they... They were able to grieve together, um, and in the future, a few years down the line, they actually were able to restart their family, and they had they had ended up having three more kids. One passed away when uh, he was a young child, but um, they were they had two uh, daughters that that lived into adulthood, and they, eventually they founded an American uh, American colony in Jerusalem. And the the purpose of this colony was that they would they would reach out um, and and help people in need. Uh, across all, all three of the major religions there, Muslims, Jews, Christians. It didn't matter. They just wanted to share the love of Christ with everybody that came. And that colony actually survived past their time into World War I when there was a lot of strife in that area. And uh, that colony was responsible for helping a lot of people across, again, across all three of those religions um, to help them in need when there was a time of um, a genocide and things like that happening in the Middle East in that area. And the reason I, t- I tell you that story is because, I I a it's incredible. I don't know how this man got through that. Well, I, I do know. It's because of the Lord. But I think, like, man, that colony that went on to survive past him, how many people were helped by, by that colony in a time of need? And yet, would that have happened if he had given up in the middle of the process? No, it wouldn't have. And so today, I'll ask you this question. Have you ever felt like giving up? Have you ever felt like giving up? I think the answer is we all have, right? We've all gone through a season of life or maybe we're currently in a season where we want to quit. And I think somewhere deep down when we're going through those seasons, we know that we shouldn't quit. Like we know like, okay, I can't I can't quit. Like I know deep down that I'm supposed to go, but it doesn't always feel that way. And we're like, okay, um, I don't know what to do, right? Because when we want to give up, when we want to quit, it's for a reason, right? And a lot of times that reason we don't know how to overcome that reason. And so we feel stuck and we go, I don't know what to do. And then, and then maybe on top of that, there can be seasons when we're going through that where spiritually things feel dry and things are, and, and it's just like, I don't know what to do anymore. I just want to quit. I just want to give up. Well, if you're thinking of giving up, today's sermon for you, is for you, right? And I want to make something really clear, okay? Today's is not a, a self-help sermon, Okay, this isn't a self-help sermon uh, because God's word is too powerful to cheapen it by making it self-help. Right? God's word is too powerful for that. So today is not going to be about the 10 steps that, that you have to do to overcome your own issues or to pull yourself up by your, your bootstraps. No, today is, is, we're going to be talking about the spiritual answer on what to do when you want to give up. And I'll just give you a spoiler alert like right off the bat. God is the answer, not our efforts. God is the answer, not our efforts. And, and I'll say this. This is kind of a necessary assumption. Maybe you're new with us. Maybe you don't come to this church very often. Here's, here's the deal. We believe that God exists, that God is sovereign, which means he's in control, and that he loves us. He's a good father. And if we, if we, can, if we can rest on that, if that's the only thing you get out of today, that's, that's awesome. Take that away. If we believe that God exists, that he's sovereign, and that he loves us, then we can overcome any issue that we're going through. You see, the Christian life was never one that is meant to be perfect or easy or, like, simple. There are, but actually, Jesus promised us that there's going to be times of troubles. In John 16, it's not going to be on the screen, but it says this. It says, in this life, you will have many troubles. Okay, that's a promise from God. That's not like—that usually doesn't make it in, like, the My Precious Promise calendar, right? Like, but— in this life, you will have many troubles. But it's the next part that's important. He says this, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, we serve a God that is in control. We serve a God that loves us. We serve a God that promises us, not that everything will be easy, but that when things are difficult, that he will walk through it with us. The Bible is a story of a God who invades our space when we need him the most. So, be- so before we go into the rest of our sermon today, if you feel like giving up, let me tell you this, don't give up. Why? Because God hasn't given up on you yet. You don't know what's coming around the corner. The very next moment around the corner, there could be, there, it could be the end of your troubles. But don't give up because God hasn't given up on you yet. And so there's a great story in the Bible that talks about this in 1 Kings chapter 19. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. 1 Kings chapter 19. Let me give you a little bit of background on this story. So this is a story about a guy named Elijah. Everyone say Elijah. Elijah. That's a good, strong name, Elijah. Elijah was a prophet, okay? So he was somebody that heard directly from God, and his job was to tell other people about what God had said. But he was a prophet during a time when being a prophet wasn't, like, a cool thing, okay? Okay? Right, like this was not a good time to be a prophet. Why? Because there was a king and queen in charge that hated God. Okay, Ahab and Jezebel were in charge, and they did not like the God of the Bible. Right, they did not like Jehovah. They were all about um, a different God named Baal, a false God. And what they did is, is they forced Israel to worship this god Baal, and they didn't have to try very hard because Israel, like as a nation, the people of Israel were all kinds of ready to turn their back on God. So they didn't have to try very hard, but they they forced the nation to do this, And, and not only that, they went through and they killed off a lot of people that did serve the true God. And so Elijah was a prophet during that time, not like the best way to start your career. Um... But uh, so there was a big struggle, and, and in the midst of this, God used Elijah to tell Ahab and Jezebel, what you're doing is wrong, and there was a season of drought where there was no rain for multiple years in the land of Israel. And God let that kind of happen for a few years, and finally it came to a climactic moment where Elijah challenged the, the prophets of Baal and Ahab, and he said, listen— Listen, let's have a showdown. And so they went to this mountain called Mount Carmel. Um, no, it's not like made of Carmel. Um, some of you are like, Mount Carmel, that sounds like a place I want to be. No, it's actually just like a normal mountain, okay? And so they went up on Mount Carmel, and, and they set up two sacrifices. And they said this. They said, we're not going to light the sacrifices on fire. We're going to pray to our gods, and whichever one, whichever one answers by sending fire from heaven, that's who we know will be the real God, okay? It's, it's kind of a risky thing. And so Elijah goes, you know what? Hey, you guys, Baal, you guys need all the help you can get, so why don't you go first? And so all these priests and prophets of Baal with King Ahab and the rest of the people watching, they start praying to their God, and they pray for hours, and they, they pray, and nothing happens. And actually, Elijah, the Bible says Elijah starts mocking them. He actually is like, hey, is your God must be up in the bathroom, like, taking a long time. It's, it's in there. Read it. Um, and so no, I really didn't. he starts mocking them. And so, and but nothing happens. They they work themselves into a frenzy. Nothing happens. Why? Because Baal is a is not a real god, and we all know that. And then Elijah says, "Okay, my turn." And so Elijah start. He prays, and fire from heaven comes and consumes the sacrifice. And he had even dumped water on it. Because Elijah got kind of cocky, right? And he was like, I'm just going to dump water on this so it's harder to light on fire. But the fire from heaven consumed the sacrifice. It's consumed all the water. It consumed everything there. And everybody, all the people watching realized, oh, God is the true God. And 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 then even on top of that, the, it, the Bible says that Elijah goes, okay, now these people that have led you astray, these false priests and these false prophets, like they actually killed them off, and, and the nation was starting to turn back to the Lord. Ahab, Ahab's heart was still hard, um, but this huge victory had happened. And on top of that, God says, okay, I'm going to end the drought. So it actually started raining that day for the first time in years, which is a big deal when your entire economy is set on farming, right? And so... And so there's this huge victory, right? And Elijah, I'm sure, was flying high. And then chapter 19 happens. That's the background of this story. Then chapter 19 happens. Let me read this to you. It says, uh, I'm going to read the whole thing real quick, and then we're just going to go. So it says, uh, 1 Kings 19, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you've killed them. And so Elijah was afraid and fled for his life, right? So he just had this huge victory where he was honoring God. And then the rug got pulled out from under him. Have you ever been there before? You're like, God, I'm serving you. God, I'm doing this. How could I lose my job? How could I have that relationship end? How could I in financial trouble. How could my health be attacked? Elijah had been serving God, had made this huge victory for God, and the rug got pulled out from under him. And what we see in this story is a guy who wanted to give up, but he does the right thing. Although he does it with a terrible attitude, so I'm just going to throw that caveat out there. God still meets him, even though he had a terrible attitude. All right, here we go. Let's read the rest. It says, he went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Um, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel of the Lord touched him and told him, get up and eat. Now, touched is like the wrong translation here. So I love the NLT, but they got this wrong. The, the actual word that would be there is an angel struck him He said, boom, get up and eat. And so he looked around, and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came and touched him and said, get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the Mount of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord said. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. Now, this is an incredible picture. The Lord passes by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down their altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. This guy had a like, pre-rehearsed prayer, right? Have you ever gotten to God with a pre-rehearsed prayer? You're like, i got to make sure this sounds good. That was Elijah in this moment. And then God completely ignores this prayer. It says in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of abel meholah to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape from Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing in a field. And I think that's where we're going we're gonna to stop there. Whew, okay, cool. Thank you for getting through that story with me. So here's, here's the thing. Some, this is a great example of what to do when you want to give up. And there's three things that Elijah does here that I think we can apply to our lives. Okay? And so I'm, here's the first one today. Point number one is when you want to give up, draw near to God. Draw near to God. You see, right at the beginning of the story, Elijah wanted to give up. He had the rug pulled out from under him. But it says in verse 4, he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have died. Right? So he goes, and he's got a terrible attitude, and he plops himself under this tree, and he says, God, take me now, because my life is over. Right? And he did it with a terrible attitude, but he does the right thing here. Because he knew that in his point of need, in the moment where he wanted to give up, in the moment where he didn't know what he was going to do, he had to go back to the source. He had to go back to the Father. He had to go back to the one who was sovereign, the one who was in control, the one who loved him. That's what he had to do. You see, Elijah, he did it with a terrible attitude. But God was good enough to meet him even though he had a terrible attitude, right? Not only that, God meets him where he's at, and he starts ministering to him. He gives him food, um, food to eat. He allows Elijah to take a second nap. Every parent in the room says amen to that, right? And, like, and so God like starts to minister to him, starts to meet his physical needs, but he realizes this, is that there's so much more that God has, that God had so much more for him, and so he called him further on, and we'll talk about, uh, the students will talk about that in a minute. But here's the deal. In the midst of the crisis, Elijah did two things that made the most sense to him. He drew near to God, and he trusted what God had put in front of him. You see, when we're going through tough times, we need to draw near to our Heavenly Father and trust what he puts in front of us. You see, Elijah, Elijah in this story, he trusts in God's goodness. He trusts in God's character. He's, he knows that he's seen God before. And when God put food in front of him, Elijah didn't go, God, why would you put food in front of me? I'm not asking you for food. I'm asking you for this. No, he trusted what God put in front of him. And in our lives, that, that can be a difficult thing. You see, Elijah, Elijah never fights God in this story. He never blames him. He never says, God, you're the source of all my problems, and I'm never going to talk to you again. No, he draws near to the one that can actually help him. You see, in our lives, when we feel like giving up, we need to go to the source of life and trust in what he puts in front of us and who he is. Because here's the deal. Here's, the, here's like the hard to swallow thing for all of us, myself included, is that God's goodness is not tied to your circumstances. God's goodness is not tied to your circumstances, and it feels that way sometimes. But when we tie God's goodness to our circumstances, when we make them one and the same, we praise God and we love him when it's good. And when it's bad, what we do is we blame God, and then we turn away from him. We walk away from him. We say, God, it's your fault. It's your fault that I'm sick. It's your fault that my family's falling apart. It's your fault. And what that does, though, it's such a ploy from Satan, because what it does is it cuts us off from the very help that we need. You see, God never promised us that life would be perfect, but he promised us that he'd be with us in the pain. He'd be a father that meets us under our broom tree when we're crying out to him. He'd be the father that gives us the food that we need to just get through one more day, right? And that's what God wants to do with us. You see, here's the deal. God is not surprised by your circumstances. His goodness is not tied to it. God is who he is, regardless of what happens to us. That doesn't change who he is. But on top of that, God is not surprised or put off by your circumstances. It's not like God woke up one day and went, whoa, what happened in their life? Right? But it can feel like that sometimes. God isn't surprised. God is still in control. He's still your father. He still loves you. He still has a good plan for you. So when we're going through tough stuff, when we want to give up, We need to draw near to him. Maybe you've heard this said before. God will not give you more than you can handle. I'm here to tell you today, that's completely a lie. It's a nice spiritual platitude that's completely false. Right? God will definitely give you more than you can handle. But God will never give you more than he can handle. Because there's nothing that God can't handle. So maybe today you're going through a difficult time. Maybe you're going through a difficult season. Draw near to God. Elijah did that. And it set him on the path that brought him out of his dark situation. That was his first step, was drawing near to God. And today, that might be you. It's not time to blame God for all of our problems. We need to draw near to him. All right, that's the first point today. Our second point is going to be uh, preached to us by Kaylee Johnson. So Kaylee, where are you at? Come on up. Everybody give it up for Kaylee. She's going she's gonna to take us to the next part of, the, of our story today.
1: Hi, I'm Kaylee, for those of you that don't know me, and today I'll be speaking on seeking God's face and not his hand. The scripture I'm reading is 1 Kings Kings 19, verse 9 through 14. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord replied to him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper, when Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So right before this, as Tyler had read, Elijah just had a huge victory. And coming out of this, he is desperately seeking God now because he feels like he's... He's losing hope, and he feels like giving up, like you're talking about. In verse 10, he talks like the Israelites have broken their covenant with, the, with God and torn down his altars, and they killed every one of the prophets. And now they're going after Elijah, and Elijah's the only prophet left. He feels discouraged and wants to give up. Many of us have also been in this place where we feel discouraged, maybe we're alone, or we feel like giving up. I know for me personally, earlier this spring, or last spring, I felt like, giving up and I felt discouraged for my school I had to plan a senior project and I had to benefit the community in some way and right away I had an idea and I wanted to have this horse show at a place near my house and I wanted to have all these people come and like advertise it and donate money to like a good cause and this was all planned out and like basically ready to go and I had every detail set and about a month and a half before I was going to have this event tragedy happened. And the owner of the place I was supposed to have this at actually passed away unexpectedly. And because it was so unexpected, they actually had to list the farm for sale and list everything on it. And then they canceled every event that was supposed to happen there. So that included my event that I had planned. And I basically had two choices. I could try and plan this all again at a different place and still have this show or I'd have to totally come up with a new idea. And Because this was in the summer, and I had to have this done before school started, I had decided that I had to come up with a new idea, because there was no way I could plan a whole new show at a different place and have that all set before school. So I tried to just push this to the back of my mind and just not think about it, because I didn't want to deal with it, and I felt discouraged that the idea that I really wanted to do, I could not do anymore, and I really didn't want to have to try and find a new idea, but I knew... If I wanted to get this done and basically graduate, I'd have to come up with something. So I decided to seek God, and just like Elijah, I sought God's face, and I didn't seek God to just have it, have it do it for me. I didn't seek God to just, okay, can you do my project? Can you just get me to the end point? Instead, I sought God for direction and for wisdom and for peace to push through, and I sought God to give me an idea and get this done because I knew God would be with me during this. I prayed for wisdom to push through, and we often, instead of this, we often want God to just do it for us, but instead we should be seeking his face and asking him what we should do to get there. Eventually, God gave me the direction, and he actually gave me a whole new idea that had nothing to do with what I had previously. But this project that I had gotten done before school was almost, I think, more successful than the horse show would have been, which is crazy. When Elijah wanted to give up, God told him exactly what to do to get through. Just like when I saw God's face, he told me what to do, and God was with me during it. Um, Elijah didn't want the physical things. He wanted God. He didn't want the earthquake. He didn't want the fire or the wind. He didn't even want the gentle whisper. He turned away from those things. He knew God could do those things, but it's not what would help him get through. So many of us find ourselves seeking the physical things God can do for us like when I wanted my project to just be done instead of seeking God's face and learning through the journey. Maybe you're struggling with finances or in your job. and While you might just want to get through and get past those issues and wake up one day and just not worry about those things, we have to seek God's face and we have to seek him for wisdom and direction to push through those because you're in God's hand and God has a greater plan than you could ever imagine. God will guide you through those. When we seek God's face, we will always get an answer. God knows what we need, and while it might not be what we want, God has a plan for us, and we must listen and obey. And our next point will be preached by Micah.
2: Hello there. So... My name is Mike Mowen, and I have the honor and privilege to uh, preach the third point in this morning's message. Uh, that point will be to, when we're in a point in our life when we want to give up, we need to follow God's leading. So, let's just jump right into it. So, verse, I'm going to be continuing on in verse 15. So, it says, Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of abel Meholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went out and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plying a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. So, a few interesting things that I found in this. First thing it says, then the Lord told him, go back the same way he came. Hold on, pause, wait. If I was Elijah, I'd be like, uh, what? God, what are you talking about? The, the place I came from wants to kill me. I don't know about you, but I don't usually go places that want to kill me. I usually stay, like, in the safe Monticello area, not Big Lake. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so I like, I like to say stay. So I, I'd be questioning God. And, um, but the interesting thing is the fact that Elijah obeyed immediately, and he, uh, in verse 19, it says, so Elijah went out and and found Elisha. He obeyed with, like, right away he obeyed, and a lot of times when we obey, we might, and nothing happens, it might be because we waited too long and we were questioning God too long, and we, like, because there's a difference between obeying immediately and obeying with, like, delay, the second thing that I found in this is the fact the, the reason why Elijah uh, gave up was the fact that he felt he felt alone. That he even says that in verse fourteen. He says, "I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too." He feels alone, and that's why he's wanting to give up. But there's two things wrong with that. One is God is always with you, and even when you like can't feel him or don't think he is, he's always guiding you. He's always leading you, and he's always protecting you. The other thing wrong with that is in. Uh, verse 18, it says, yeah, I will preserve $7,000 in Israel. Now, God might liter- not literally put 7,000 people in your life. I mean, maybe he will. I'm not, I'm not God. But he will put people in your life that will help you and guide you through your time of need. So, time in my life, not too long ago, uh, I wanted to give up. Um, back in the summer, in June, July, a few of us in the youth group went on a mission trip to Ireland. And the reason why I wanted to give up was because I was put out of my comfort zone, like, right away, like, almost immediately. Like, if you, know, if you know me well, you would know I'm not the, like, most social guy in the world. I don't like to talk to people that much. It's not that I don't want to talk to you. It's the fact that I don't really know how to talk to you. Like, I'm not the guy that starts conversations. I'm the guy that finishes the conversations. Like, I'll give you some advice here. So, like, if you are in a text message and you, like, want to get out of it, just send the laughing emoji, and it, you're you're done with the conversation. How do you how do you respond to that? Okay, like I know all these tips to get you out of conversations, and <laughs> so I was put out of my out of my comfort zone. So we got there, and we had to we had these flyers to promote the mission trip because we got there on a Friday, and the mission trip part wasn't going to start till that Monday. With all, and there were all these events that was going, going on through that week, so we were promoting that stuff. So the Friday we were going like door to door people's mailboxes which felt illegal and putting these flyers in there and that were promoting like these activities like football which is soccer and um like these other kids I don't remember what it was but so we were doing that and we we're supposed to talk to people if they were out in their front yard and I was like, oh my gosh like that is not I don't want to do that but I was like, okay, hey, whatever let's try it i go up and talk to them and it was a mess okay I don't I was saying soccer when I was supposed to be saying football, and I was saying all these things that I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to talk to them, okay? I'm not very good at talking to people, and I felt like a failure to God for that. So I was like, ugh, like, I don't know why God wanted me to come on this mission trip, but whatever. So on the next day, we instead of promoting these activities, we were gonna be promoting the fact that we were gonna be out in the streets for a whole week praying for people. So we were praying for people and promoting we were gonna be out on the streets. So I thought, I was like, all right, this is gonna be great. God's got my back this time. I'm talking about God, so he's going to be putting words in my mouth, and it's going to be great. People are going to get saved. People are going to get healed. It got worse, because the moment you mention God or Jesus or church anything, people will shut you down like that. Like, people were cursing me out, calling me an idiot, trying to, like, change my ways, like, all these things. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, why are all these people trying to fight me over this? And it's, like, kind of hard not to take that personally. I was like, these people aren't getting saved because I don't have social skills, I don't know how to talk to people, and so I was like, why, like, I, I gave up, I was like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do for the next 10 days, but I'm not doing that, okay, that's, that's definitely not what's going to go on, so I went to bed a little bit angry that night, and I was like, God, you got me into this mess, you better get me out of this, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> I woke up that Sunday a little bit, like, I had a lot of fear, I was like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do, like, it's Sunday church, and I'm angry at God, like, oh my gosh, but I got through it. We had this, like, night worship service to, like, get us ready and pumped up for the, um, the week for the mission trip. And I remember just, like, worshiping, being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I-, I wasn't really worshiping. I was, like, more, like, plotting what I was supposed to do. And this guy, all of a sudden, he grabbed the microphone. And he walks on stage. And the, you know, the worship team quiets down. and He says something. He was like, I don't know why— God is wanting me to say this, but I really feel feel led to say this. And what he said not only changed my mission trip, but it changed my life. This is what he said. He said, it's not about our ability to serve God. It's about our availability to serve God. And I started to apply that in my mission trip and my life. And I was like, okay, it's not about my ability to go up to this person and just like, them with my social skills It's not about my ability to talk to them it's not about my ability to heal them that's for sure it's not about my ability to pray the perfect prayer or anything what it's about is about my availability to just go to Ireland it's about my availability to be out in the streets it's about my availability to have the guts to go up to some random stranger and pray for them it's not about our abilities it's about our availabilities and we don't have to have abilities because we serve a God who has the abilities See, I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you've given up. But if you have, I want to ask you, is it because you're feeling alone? Are you feeling like you can't get through it by yourself? Because here's the thing, God is always with you and he'll provide people. Or is it because you don't have the ability, you don't feel like you're able to get through it by by yourself or with people? You just don't feel like you have the ability? Or is it for some other reason that I didn't cover? It doesn't matter why, but it does matter how you get out of it. And there's only one answer, and that's to follow God's leading. Why? Because when we put our life in God's hands, he takes us beyond our limits. He doesn't take us to the limit. He takes us way beyond the limit. And there, there's a lot of things in my life that I'm like, how did I get here? Like, I'm like on stage right now, and I don't even talk to people that much. So, <laughs> <I don't>, like, <laughs> so he takes us way beyond our limits. So that's all I have for you today. Um, I, I, I want to thank you for the honor and privilege to... Allow me on stage, and I don't really know how to do conclusions, so I'm done. Thanks, Micah.
0: Awesome. Great job, both of you. Great job. Great job. Worship team, if you guys could get set up, that would be fantastic. And he's funny. He's a funny guy. The story is powerful. The story of Elijah is powerful because of I, because of here's a big bad prophet, right? Like super Christian, like just won this huge victory for God, you know, like that that person that seems like he's got it all together, and he gets hit with just the right thing, and it sweeps the rug out from under him, right? Here's he was not like Elijah was like a sinner off doing terrible things. He was just a guy that was trying to serve God, that was trying to love him. I was trying to do what God had, had, had called him to do. And on top of that, God he was using him. And yet he felt like his life was falling apart. He felt like he had nothing left to give. He felt like, he said, Lord, just take me now because I'm done. But something deep within him sent him back to the source. And when he went back to the source is when he got the life that he needed to launch him into the rest of the time. You see, God is the one that brought him out of that time. And if you feel like giving up today, don't. Keep going. Why? Not because you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Keep going because God hasn't given up on you yet. And if God hasn't given up on you, then you can't give up on yourself. You see, you don't know what's coming around the corner. None of us do, right? None of us know what's coming around the corner. Horatio Spafford didn't know that his family was going to pass away, that all of his kids was going to pass away. But he also didn't realize that he was going to found an American colony in Jerusalem that would help tons and tons of people, right? In this story, Elijah didn't realize that he was going to have this issue right after Jezebel, or right after this victory, that Jezebel was going to come to do this. And yet, if Elijah had given up in that moment, if he had said, that's it, God, I'm done. I'm I'm going to stay under this tree, and that's it. We would never have gotten Elisha, right? We would have never gotten Elisha. It was because of God's leading. It was because of him pulling him out of this that we get Elisha. And I don't know if you know this, but Elisha uh, trained under Elijah for a while, and then Elijah was taken up to heaven. And, uh, and, and right before he went, he said, Elisha, what do you want? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of your spirit. And we actually see that scripture the amount of miracles that Elijah did Elisha did double the amount of miracles he helped tons of people find the life that God had for them but none of that would have ever happened if Elijah had given up in the middle of the storm I don't know what your Elisha is but I do know this that if you're in a season right now where you feel like giving up that God hasn't given up on you and what you need to do what the bible shows us is not i need to work harder i need to try harder i need to i need to be my own source no the bible teaches us very clearly it says go back to the source draw near to him seek his face not his hand that's important because in this story there was tons of miracles happening right there's there's earthquakes and, and fire and all these things and these powerful moves of God. And sometimes when we're stuck, we say, God, I need you to move for me. But Elijah knew that the real life was not in God moving for him. The real life was in seeking God himself. Because God can always do earthquakes, right? But Elijah didn't need earthquakes. That's what he thought he needed. He didn't need the earthquake. What he needed was an encounter with God himself. So we draw near to God. We seek his face, not his hand. And then we follow his leading. You see, God gave Elijah exactly what he needed. He said, here you go. He gave him purpose. He gave him a fresh identity. He told him, this is what you're going to do. And from that point on, Elijah's life actually is pretty good. But in the middle of that moment, Elijah had to choose to draw near to God, to seek his face, and then to follow the leading that God put in front of him. Today, I want to invite you to the same thing. you're going through it, man. Draw near to God. Seek His face. And then He's going to speak to you. You're going to feel things in your heart. You're going to feel things in your mind. He's going to speak to you. Maybe another person will speak to you. That God will speak to you through another person and tell you, this is what I want you to do. And I would invite you to follow God's leading. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, we're going to wrap up. Maybe you're here today and you've never followed God's leading. Maybe you feel like giving up. You know, Pastor, you don't know the terrible things I've done. It doesn't matter. God loves you. And here's how I know He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins so that you could have a relationship with Him, that you could live life with God. Your sins could be forgiven, and you could step into the life that God has for you today with every head bow every eye closed this is a private moment if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your heart I have to give you that chance because it's the best thing that you could ever ever happen to you that's how you get to God not by doing good things by accepting the forgiveness that Jesus has already given you so if that's you today and you say I want to dedicate my life to Christ I want to I want to ask Jesus into my heart if you just slip your hand up really quick and put it back down it's not for me I'm not even looking. It's between you and God. It's between you and God. If that was you, I'm gonna say a prayer really quick, and I would invite you to repeat after me quietly in your seat. And these these words aren't magic words. It's not the words that matter. It's your heart. This is just like me introducing you to a friend. So I'm gonna pray a prayer. I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins, and and say that you're gonna follow Him. And but what matters is not the words themselves. It's just. It's what you mean in your heart. So if that was you today, if you raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand and you knew you should have, I would invite you to pray this prayer. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up, but I want to live life with you. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me for my sins. Wash me clean. And from now on, I'm gonna live for you instead of living for myself. I ask you, Jesus, to come live in my heart from here on out.